everyone. Hello. It's great to see you all. I'm just taking a mental note of who all is here this morning. It's so good to see you. We uh, had originally planned, as you know, to be outdoors today, but that didn't really work in our favor. That forecast wasn't looking very promising, and it changed a lot, but I think we still made the right choice because now you don't have to worry about your chairs sinking slowly into the ground, which I think we would have had that problem. So glad to be indoors and dry and, and not being windblown this morning, but it's great to see you. It's great to be here together in the house of the Lord. Uh, Nicole's going to share with us a call to worship in just a moment, but I would just like to lead us in a time of prayer as we prepare our hearts for worship and for a word this morning, okay? Let's pray. Holy God, we are grateful to be in this place together. It is good to be in community. It is good to be here with each other. I just pray, Lord, that this time together in, in fellowship and in worship and in prayer and in teaching, I pray, Lord, that this time would renew and refill us. I pray, God, that you would be present here. We welcome you into this place, Lord. I pray, God, that we would sense how near you are to us. And I just pray, Lord, once again, that you would do a new thing in and among us this morning. God, help us to drown out the distractions that may be around us, that we may have um, brought with us into this building this morning, Lord. Help us to just fix our eyes and our heart on you, on your word, on your goodness, on your truth, as we are reminded of who you are and your love for us. So God, Receive our praise this morning. We offer all of us to you. We worship you, Lord. We love you, and we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Good morning. Please stand if you would like. We're going to sing to the Lord. I'm going to read this Psalm 146, um, 1 and 2. It says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. A perfect introduction. That's what we're going to do.
may be seated as we go into a time of prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for that goodness that we just sang about. Lord, I just pray that images and reminders come to our minds of the ways in which you have been so good and faithful to us. Lord, this morning as we were talking in Sunday school about Abraham and and Isaac, I'm just always captivated by Abraham's faithfulness and, and just, it's as if he didn't waver for a moment because he was so confident in your goodness and in your faithfulness that he wasn't worried Because he knew that he was seen and loved by God and the promises that God made to him long ago about his future and about his his offspring and his son. God, he knew that you still had a plan for those things 
And that in, in what he was going through, that your goodness and your faithfulness would remain and would be seen. And God, I, I'm just overwhelmed because I want to have that same assurance and faithfulness in my own life. God, I, I want to be unwavering. That when you call me to step out in faith, that I would do so knowing that you will meet me there. That you will provide exactly what is needed. And that your faithfulness and your goodness will be seen and evident. And there's no doubt in my mind. Because God, that is who you are to us time and time again. That even in the midst of our wavering even in the midst of our trials and shortcomings and failures, Lord, you never fail to meet us with more goodness, more of your mercy, more of your forgiveness and your love and your faithfulness. God, we just pause I just want to pause and I want to allow us to soak up your presence, your presence, your goodness, and your faithfulness this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that we are seen and loved by you. Lord, I just want to pray for those that are here this morning or maybe those that are watching online. Lord, if there's anyone that's just feeling overwhelmed. God, if there's anyone that's just feeling invisible this morning. If there's anyone here that just feels like they're not seen. Lord, would you remind them this morning just how seen invisible they are. God, would you just comfort those whose hearts just need to be comforted this morning? God, would this be a space for rest and renewal if that's what we're needing today? God, may we not rush through this time. May we not just rush through checking off all the boxes but God, may we dwell in your presence. May we fully open ourselves up to you. Lord, would you shape us and form us this morning? God, would you help us to be who you've called us to be? Remind us of who we are in Christ Jesus. And remind us this this weighty title that we carry when we call ourselves Christian or follower of Jesus. Remind us, Lord, through this word this morning, the importance of not only our actions and how we live, but what comes out of our mouths. God, we thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness once again this morning.
Thank you for never failing to meet us where we are. And we just pray that you continue to do that throughout this service. And Lord, we love you. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. There's more of you here now than there was the last time I was up here. So good morning. Um, well, this morning we are continuing on in this series in the book of James. <laughs> Surprisingly, I don't know about you, but this week I was preparing and I was thinking, we've been in this series for a while now, in this book for a while, and yet we're only in chapter three. <laughs> Thankfully, we only have a couple more chapters to go, but um, it just it, I just thought that was funny that it seems like we've covered everything and yet... We're only in chapter three, (laughs) Uh, but we continue to kind of brace ourselves each week for the words that James has for the church. Um, James is uh, speaking to followers of Jesus. He has a particular word for followers of Jesus, and this is a word for us. Amen? This is a word for the church today. And yes, this was a word that was um, intended for a specific audience, for a specific group of people, but we are those people that should hear this word and heed this word this morning, today and always. So if you are able, I'm going to invite you to stand as we read from James chapter 3, verses 1 through 13 this morning. This is the word of the Lord through James Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the course, the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, and reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt produce or a salt spring produce fresh water. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, I know none of this will necessarily be a surprise to you, 
uh, but just bear with me as we kind of talk about it again anyways. Uh, but, but we live in a time, and perhaps we've always lived in a time such as this, where, where so many want to make their voices heard, where so many feel like they have something important to say, where so many people feel like they want to be in a position of authority, speaking um, things that, that, that are either on behalf of God or just from a place of, of knowledge and, and experience and expertise. But it seems to me like in an age of social media, this just seems to be even more obvious and, and, and apparent to us, right? That, that we live in this time where not only do so many want to have a voice and a say and they want to make their opinion known, but they have every capability of doing so, especially here in America. That's our context. And, and if we want to, we can probably have access to social media, uh, many different platforms and, and avenues of social media, making our voice known and heard to anyone and everyone who accepts our friend request and then listens, assuming that they don't block us or hide us from their stories or from their feed. Uh, just to kind of, you know, show you uh, the, how true this is, I think, I was doing some reading and, and researching this week, and I read that as of July of this year, July of 21, 4.48, there are 4.48 billion active social media users, which is 56.8% of the world population. That's how many have a voice and can make their opinion and their ideas and thoughts known. They can speak and have a platform that they are speaking to. In 2020, uh, I think that, you know, I'm going to cut us some slack on this one, because 2020, for, for several months, what else was there to do, right, than to scroll on social media? There was plenty more to do. I'm just kidding. But, but in 2020, the average daily social media usage for users worldwide would stand at 145 minutes per day. I still say the worst thing I ever discovered that my smartphone can do is reveal to me just how much time I spend on social media. Don't you hate that? It pops, mine pops up every Sunday and that just seems like an extra bad time for it to pop up because I'm just like, oh wow, taking account of, of how I spent my time throughout the week and it's just sometimes not pretty, it's not pleasant. And I'll also give us some slack because we don't really know how much of that time is spent scrolling. There are some who just scroll endlessly and never say a thing. And we don't know for some if that's just time spent scrolling, but for many, I know from my feed, for many that's time spent posting sharing my thoughts with whoever will listen. And this, perhaps, social media, having all these platforms, is just one more way that we can fulfill this deep desire or longing that I think humans have to make their voices known, to be heard. We, we feel like we need others to hear what we have to say because we have something important to say and we need others to hear. We need them to, to know where we stand on things, to know our opinions, to know when we think something is right or wrong and just how passionate we are about that particular thing. And, and I just wonder, wonder along with me here, I just wonder if James might be saying that we ought to be a little reluctant to speak with such authority and with such confidence that what we need to say really does need to be heard. I wonder if James 
is saying that we ought to be reluctant to always make our voices known and heard. I wonder if he has something to say about this deep longing that we might have. If you recall back in chapter 1, James says those words that we know and probably quote, maybe not often enough, but still often, where he says, be slow to speak, or I think I even said that week, be slow to type, be slow to post, be slow to share. I think all of those things work together now. We, we've, we've expanded our version or our definition of speak, okay? But be, be quick to listen, be slow to speak. In other words, I just pictured James saying, stop talking so much and start doing, right? Put your actions where your mouth is. Live out what you believe and what you say you believe, And last week, we especially talked about this. We talked last week about how our faith and actions, they're going to go together. And what we believe in our heart, what we believe about about being followers of Jesus will and should affect how we live and what we do. And I think this week, James is going to teach us that what we believe about Jesus in our heart is going to be evident in what we say. James now seems to be honing in on the great implication of our words, of our speech, of what comes from our tongue. And he begins with this warning for teachers, saying that they will be judged strictly. Now hear me out, okay? Hear me out. Hear my heart this morning that I absolutely carry this weight. I realize this weight of what James is saying. In fact, this week as I was reading these words over and over again, it just got heavier and heavier. I recognize this weight that I carry and I consider frequently the impact that this has on people. And sometimes if I think about that too long, I think, oh, no, 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 we got to abort, abort, abort. This is not a good idea (laughs) because I just, I know, I know what a huge weight this carries. I consider that frequently. And I tell you too often that I don't think this should be kind of the, the, the key, the highest moment of your week where you're being formed spiritually. I think this should just be one part of how you are being formed and shaped spiritually. I think that you should hold a lot of other things to the same weight that you hold this to, that this is an important space, what's happening here, but there should also be a lot more going on in your life that is helping you to grow, that is shaping you, that is forming you. But I will say again, I know this weight I feel this weight in my heart. But at the same time, I just have to say, scholars say, and and I tend to agree with them, that James is not only talking to preachers and teachers. That yes, he is making a point that they ought to be extra careful because if there is, there is a, a, they have a platform, they have an audience, so to speak, and there are people that they come and they sit and they listen. That's what we're doing. That's what we've kind of structured this time around. And so clearly, obviously, that needs to be taken into consideration. But be careful that you don't just hear these words and just turn off because you're like, oh, well, he is not talking to me because I'm not a teacher. I don't have a place of authority over anyone. But I think that, that there is strong evidence here that James is, is including others in this call and in this warning. I, if you think about it, I, I would argue that we're all teaching someone something. You may not realize it or not, 
but you are teaching someone something. I think the very fact that you call yourself Christian, that you wear the t-shirt, you are teaching someone something whether you realize it or not. Whether you realize it or not, people are watching you. People are listening to you. And I guarantee you, people are really watching your news feeds to see what you say about certain things, how you respond to certain things. What does your heart say about certain things? And so I think James is wanting to include all of us that, yes, there is a particular warning for those in a place of authority, but this is also a message for all of us who carry the name Christian. And we have to keep in mind, too, that James is speaking to people of his day who just happen to be particularly passionate about having such a place of authority. That, that people during James' time, they really wanted and longed for that position of authority and honor. There were a lot of people that, that strongly desired to be teachers, but there were a lot of people who couldn't for obvious reasons, like only 10%. I read this week that something like 10% of people during this time could even read. And so there was a lot of expertise and knowledge that they would need to have that they simply didn't have access to. And so it's as if James is warning those who are just longing to be in a place of authority. They just want to be a teacher. And it's like James is saying, whoa, 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 slow down, slow down. Don't be a community that is so obsessed with thinking that you should or even can become leaders. Because this is this is a heavy burden that we carry. This is a weighty uh, calling. Scholars also note that with this language that James is using, that this could be another example of what we see in Scripture that we call descriptive versus prescriptive language, meaning that he is not prescribing that this is how it should be. He's simply describing that this is how it is, that because we all mess up, we all fall short, none of us are perfect, we've all stumbled in many ways, as James is saying. I feel like he's saying, listen, I've messed up, you've messed up, not a single person can do this perfectly, and I'm not saying that's how it should be, I'm simply saying that's how it is. So again, I just say, I think this is a warning for all of us. Yes, preachers and teachers, we ought to recognize the weight of this, of this position that we carry or have, but also those with social media platforms, those who are discipling someone, those who are mentoring someone, those who might be teaching a Sunday school class or leading a life group, those who are parents who are raising kids or grandkids, but I would say really for all who represent Christ and carry the name Christian. And so we get this kind, we start off with this heavy warning, because you remember he said that word judgment again, right? That, that we need to be careful that we will be judged strictly. There's that eschatological language that we talked about last week, which is just a fancy way for saying we're talking about judgment. That when we are judged by God, this is what we need to consider, and, and this is why we need to be so cautious. And he goes on to explain the why behind this serious warning. And part of the why is in verse 2, that we all fall short, we all mess up, none of us are perfect, none of us have a complete control or reign on our tongue. But then he also goes on to describe the grave consequences of an uncontrolled tongue and how it can be dangerous and devastating. 
He uses these illustrations that are, that are very known among the church community today, but these are illustrations that also would have been really well known and understood dur- during James' time as well. Because remember, he's speaking to a lot of people who are, who are simply illiterate. And these are simple illustrations that even the most illiterate among his audience, they could understand these things. He wasn't speaking over their head. He was speaking a language that they could understand by using these simple illustrations. And so he he talks about some of these illustrations. He says, your words, listen church, your words are powerful enough to steer and to guide. Just like the bits in the mouths of horses guide that horse and that person, and just like the rudder, the small rudder of a ship steers and guides that ship, So your words have the ability to steer and to guide. And at the very best, our words can can be can steer and guide and be used for good purposes, right? At the very best, our words can be used to build someone up. Our words can be used to encourage. Our words can be used to speak life into someone who might be just feeling completely dead. Someone who's standing in front of you who just feels lifeless, our words can be used to speak life into that person. Our words can be used to remind others of their worth. Our words can be used to guide and steer in the best possible ways. And that's profound, right? James is saying, here is what your words can do. But also, it should not be lost on us. And I was reading about this this week, and I thought, especially as a pastor, this is profound and humbling and overwhelming and terrifying all at the same time, that when you think about a ship, you think about this large body, right? And and so if you think about the church, the church is a body that is being steered and that's being guided by a person or hopefully more than one person, hopefully a group or a team of people. And it just reminded me that we hear these tragic stories all the time within the church. We hear these tragic stories all the time of of pastors who 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 have really abused their position of authority in their position of power, and with their words, they have destroyed a body. With their words, they can speak things over people and to people that just cause them to fall apart and to crumble, and before you know it, you see an entire body that just falls apart. That's what our words are capable of. And so that can be a good thing. That can be a great thing. Our words can be used to guide and steer in the best possible ways, but our words can also be our downfall or the downfall of a, of a body, of a large body at times. And it just reminded me of the importance of accountability. Amen? We all need that accountability, but most of all me. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just kind of kidding, but I'm very serious that accountability, accountability is important. And there should be several layers of accountability there for a person that is in such a place of authority. And I just was reminded, and I'm so appreciative that we are in a faith tradition, the Church of the Nazarene, that believes in accountability, that believes in several people coming around a pastor, checking in and guiding and helping, working alongside, so that I myself, I have others that I'm accountable to, and we're all better for that. And because of that, we need that accountability. But then we hit verse 5. 
We hit verse 5, and at this point I'm thinking, oh, that's great. Our words can be used to guide and to steer in ways that are so good and helpful, but there's really nothing good that you can gain from verse 5. Because verse 5 is just quite, frankly, terrifying. Because he says, not only can our words steer and guide, hopefully in a good way, but your words are also capable of destroying or tearing down. And he compares the tongue to the smallest spark that can set an entire forest ablaze, destroying life and creation for miles and miles and miles. And I just, this was so strong, such strong language that I just felt like I couldn't even talk about this without giving us an illustration. And I was thinking about the campfire, or the fires that we see in California that tend to, to unfold every year. And I remember that there was a particularly devastating fire a few years ago, and and, and that was in 2018, and they called this one the Campfire. And it started in Butte County, California. Do you remember seeing these images from this fire just a few years ago? This was one of the more devastating fires that California has seen. This one killed 85 people. 85 human lives were lost in this fire. It went on to destroy 153,336 acres, this campfire of 2018. And I started thinking about that. And I thought about the 85 human lives that were lost. And don't get me wrong, that is, that's, a, that's a tragedy. That's a devastating tragedy. If one person loses their life, ever for any reason, but, but even touched by a fire, that is a tragedy. That's a devastating loss because for someone, that's, that's their whole world, right? And so that's devastating. It's a tragedy. But then my mind was boggled as I continued to think about the loss of life and creation across the whole thing, across the 153,000 acres. And if we take God's creation as a whole, I was thinking of, of all the the, the forest life that was lost in the trees. And I'm just thinking about God's creation that was lost as a result of this fire. And I thought, Lord, are you, uh, is James saying that our words have this same ability to devastate miles and miles of creation in this way? That is profound and that should weigh heavily on us. Right, This symbolism and strong and the creation that's lost as a whole is, it should be devastating for us. And, and the reason that I find it so profound and so weighty is to think about that my words, that my words could have the same impact over a person's life as this fire had over 153,000 acres of life. Are you with me? Do you think that our words could have this same effect and be just as devastating for another person? James says, listen, I'm always humbled by this verse. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, in the same breath, he says, we curse human beings who have been made in the image of God. They've been made in his God's likeness just like you were. And out of the mouth comes both praising and cursing. Brothers and sisters, this cannot be, James says. This must not be. 
Just, you know, faith and actions go together, but, but James is, is making a strong declaration. Praising and cursing don't go together. It's like oil and water, right? That's not going to mix well at all. And yet that's what happens. We praise God for his goodness. We come to church and we praise God for his goodness, for his greatness, for his faithfulness. Oh God, you are perfect in all of your ways. We are all your creation. We were made perfectly by you and loved by you. And in the same breath, we can completely tear someone apart with those words that come out of our mouth. Those words that we just used to praise God. And in the same breath, we can completely cause someone to question, oh, am I made in the same image and likeness of God as you? Because now I'm questioning that. I'll never forget that I heard one pastor put it like this. I don't know how you'll feel about this, but, but this totally changed my perspective of this passage. One pastor says, argues, that we have co-creating responsibilities with God. Now, don't misunderstand me. He was in no way saying that we are on the same level as God, that we are capable of the same kind of creation as God, because there's one God Almighty who created us, and, and he is God, and only he is God, and we certainly are not on that same level. But as as God's children, as God's people who have been called to go and, and love God and love neighbor in everything we say and do and in how we live, that in some moments we can use our words to create, to build up, to affirm, to behold God's sacred creation, but then we also have the capability to use our words to decreate to take away from God's sacred creation, to, to disregard God's sacred creation, all because what? We don't agree. They're horrible. You don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. I, I think that we ought to recognize that we absolutely can either behold God's sacred creation with our words, we can guide and steer and affirm, or we have the capability to completely decreate, destroy, tear it down. Have you ever considered, church, that as one who carries this weighty title of Christian, that as one who, because you carry the title Christian, you speak on behalf of God, whether you intend to or not, whether you realize it or not, have you ever considered that regardless of how you feel about a person, I don't care if it's the worst person you've ever known and you just can't stand this person and you just don't even understand. They're so irritating. Everything they stand for is terrible. Everything they believe, everything they do is evil. It's terrible. Do you understand that with your words, whether to them or about them, that you have the ability to affirm God in that person and affirm who God says they are? and affirm his creation, or you have the ability to deny and destroy or to tear down? Do we consider that in one moment, while we're praising God for his goodness, for his greatness, and we regard him perfect in all ways, but then in an instant we cancel that out by saying something hurtful about his creation? Have we considered that this is essentially what we do when we use our words to speak ill of another person. And by the way, as I said at the beginning, I, I don't care if you're saying these things or typing these things. It's the same. I appreciate how Professor Casey Sigmund puts it. 
saying that hell on earth is enacted when the church is ruddered by loud, evil, unbridled tongues, and it sets the world on fire with hate. Church, I don't think this is all of us, all the time. I'm not even sure that it's anyone here in this room, because that's just how highly I think of all of you. Really. But I just wonder if we, whether it's we, the individual, or we as the church in America, I just wonder if we've lost our ability to pause and to truly listen, not just to another person, but but to the Holy Spirit and consider how the Holy Spirit wants to speak in us and through us to another person. Have we lost that ability? Because a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times I feel like we're just tempted to participate in this never-ending war of words and opinions and tearing down and decreating in the process. Church, do we consider that with our words directed towards people we don't like, people we disagree with, people who irritate us and drive us crazy, people with different ideologies, people who don't vote the same way we do, do we recognize and consider that we have the ability to point out God in that person? And do we consider that we could steer and guide that person in a healthy direction or that we have the ability to deny and to decreate with our words? Do we consider with our words that with our words, we can strip humanity from someone simply because they aren't like us and we confidently speak on behalf of God in the process. Church, do the words we say to a person, maybe we should always get in the habit of asking ourselves this, do the words I say to a person communicate to them the love and high regard that God has for them? Or do my words to a person consider or cause them to wonder if they could ever be loved or regarded by God? And listen, this is not about agreeing with everyone. This is not about affirming beliefs and lifestyles that are contrary to those of a community of God's people. This is, this is not about affirming beliefs and lifestyles that are contrary to the ways of God and the ways of Scripture. This is simply about us, you and I, the church, recognizing the weight we carry as Christians and how in an instant our words can steer and guide in a way that is good and in a way that is holy, a way that is helpful for for molding and shaping or that has the ability to destroy, to decreate or dehumanize a person. And maybe the most important part of this whole passage is when we're reminded of something that Jesus said. We try to do that every week in the book of James. We try to point it back to something that Jesus has said because we see so many parallels in the book of James to the words of Jesus. And so maybe the most important part of this whole passage is when James says at the end, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt produce, a salt spring produce fresh water. He appears to be echoing Jesus' words there in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus in this moment is speaking to the Pharisees, but he's speaking to them about the state of their heart. And he says to them, 
He says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. Then he uses this strong language. You brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good that is stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone, everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. We should recognize that in this context, Jesus is talking to Pharisees who rejected his Messiahship, okay? So it might be a little bit different based on whether or not you reject his Messiahship. But, but they rejected his Messiahship because of how he treated and how he regarded those who the Pharisees considered outside the bounds of saving and, and worth saving, right? Jesus' demonstrations of mercy and grace for those who, in the Pharisees' minds, were outside the bounds is what kept them from embracing and, and putting themselves under the authority of Jesus and his Messiahship. And Jesus reminds them that what is in their heart will be revealed in what they do and what they say. And I think that's at the heart of this passage, that what's in here is going to come out of here. And I think I say this every week, but these are weighty words that we read every week. I think once again that we should be humbled by the words of Jesus and then seemingly reiterated by James and recognize that we might pride ourselves on the ability to tame animals like James says. We can tame lions and tigers and bears and whales and birds, but we can't tame our tongue. It's the one thing we can't master. And I think St. Augustine was attributed to saying that only God can tame the wild animal that is our tongue. So I think the challenge for us this morning, <laughs> in case you haven't felt challenged yet, the challenge for us this morning is to open up our hearts to the only one that can tame the wild animal that is our tongue. The challenge is for us to open up our hearts to the correction and the guidance and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and the challenge is for us to once again invite him to come in and completely cleanse our hearts. Because I just have to tell you that a heart that is closed off and a heart that, that is aggravated by this and a heart that, that won't be open to be cleansed will only continue to do more damage through their words. And then putting us in further danger of grieving the Spirit of God. And so as we close this morning, I want to say again, our words have the ability to behold God's creation, steering and guiding in the best possible ways. And our words are also capable of dehumanizing God's creation, destroying and tearing down. Church, I wonder... Do you recognize the importance of reforming your words so that the most powerful muscle in your body can be used for good? 
reminding others of hope, love, and redemption, and yes, the truth of God. (laughs) It doesn't mean that what comes out of our mouth is always going to be embraced well. I'm not saying that you just have to use like this, you know, beautiful language and that nothing's ever going to offend anyone. I'm not talking about that. Yes, sometimes what comes out of your mouth is going to offend and upset people because they're not going to agree with you. But that can be done in a way that is holy, in a way that is good, in a way that reflects the goodness and truth of God. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? We sang that song, um, The King of My Heart, I think is what it's called. And I'm thinking this morning that if the king of my heart is good, then what flows from my heart and from my tongue should reflect that goodness and should be used for good. And I think that our, if, if Jesus is the king of our heart, then our words are going to be helpful, constructive, helpful for reminding people, all people, of their worth that can be found and affirmed in Christ, that in God's image they were created and that makes them good, but sometimes they just need to simply be reminded of that holy goodness of God that can be found in them. But that goodness can't be pointed out if we're so fixated on speaking over them things that are not helpful and not good. So I'm going to invite the praise team to come back up. And I think we're going to sing this song that's called Run to the Father. And I just think this morning that maybe that's what some of us need to do. (laughs) Probably all of us, if we're honest, right? For whatever reason. Maybe that's what we need to do this morning. And for some of us, maybe that means running to the Father in repentance of things that we've done or we've said. There's a line in this song that says, my heart needs a surgeon. Amen? My heart needs a surgeon. My heart needs a surgeon. For for some of us, if not all of us, this is true. That to have a heart that reflects the heart of King Jesus, we need him to come in and cleanse us of all the things that grieve him and that don't reflect his heart. I just also want to acknowledge this morning that maybe there are some of you that are here and you need to run to the Father for a completely different reason. Maybe someone has spoken things to you or over you that made you feel less than, for whatever reason. Maybe someone has spoken things to you or about you or over you that caused you to doubt who you are and how you are loved or has caused you to question that you could ever be loved. Maybe someone has spoken things over you or to you or about you that have scarred you. My prayer is that you would run to the Father this morning and that you would let him speak a new word over you, recreating you in his image once again. May you, those of you that are hurt or wounded by words, I don't care if it was 40 years ago or four days ago, that hurt is real. And, and I think that we were really misguided as children when we learned that catchy little phrase of sticks and stones break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I think we taught that at VBS too, right? That words absolutely do hurt. They scar 
they leave marks. They leave wounds that walk with us for the rest of our lives. And so I just want to invite you this morning to be recreated in the image of God again, knowing that if you run to the Father, he's going to tell you who you are. He's going to remind you that you are loved, that you are forgiven, that you are redeemed, that you are his, that you are cherished, that you were and are worth dying for. He'll tell you that you are chosen, that you are free in Christ Jesus. He'll tell you that you are made new and that you have a new identity in him. So would you just let me pray over you this morning as you prepare to respond accordingly? God, would you just continue to steer and guide our hearts as we process these words, as we process what your word says about our words, about our tongue? Lord, we just invite you, we give you permission to move in, to move in close and to speak to us whatever truth is that we need to hear. Whatever that truth is that we need to hear this morning, Lord, would you just speak that to us? Help us to find comfort and forgiveness in your embrace this morning. Amen.
Jesus, we thank you for your love and your grace that we find when we run into your arms. God, we thank you for meeting us there each and every time we come. Lord, I just pray that we would make it a habit to run to you again and again and again. I wonder if I could confidently say for you on your behalf that you'll never get tired of us running to you. That you continue, you long for us to come to you to continue to make us new. to clear us, to clear our hearts of the things that we need to get rid of and to be reminded of who we are in you. God, we are reminded once again of who you've called us to be. Us, those of us who call ourselves Christian, follower of Jesus. God, along with that comes, comes this this weight of our words. And God, may those words be used for good. That yes, sometimes those words are gonna be used to to maybe flesh something out 
And maybe it's tense. Maybe it's a little complicated and uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, found in our words is is just a reminder of, of you and what you're capable of doing that you can bring to people who couldn't be more different. And you can be seen and found in both of those people. And that it's not up to us to question who calls themselves Christian. It's not up to us to speak with authority on your behalf of who's in and who's out of the circle. But God, it's up to us to live in a way that is productive, in a way that helps neighbor to know that they are seen and loved by you. What is up to us is to use our words in ways that are good and helpful and useful and holy, reminding even the person that might be the most lost that they can find a way to you, that you can be found and seen in that person, that there's hope, there's redemption, There's grace and salvation and forgiveness. God, may we never withhold those things with how we speak and what comes from our mouth. God, continue to cleanse our hearts. Continue to mold us and shape us to look more like you, to reflect the king of our hearts. And God, we love you and we thank you for the ways that you are going to answer this prayer and to help us with these things. And so we pray all of this in the name of Jesus, knowing that he will help us. And believing that, all God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Well, this morning, before you are dismissed to leave, I just want to remind you of a few announcements um, that this coming Saturday, October 30th, assuming that the weather's going to cooperate and be perfect and beautiful, um, at 9 a.m., we will plan to have a work day uh, this coming Saturday. So if you are able to, we invite you to come because as they say, many hands make light work. And and that was certainly the case last time in the spring when we had a work day. So um, just put that on your calendar if you're available to come to that. Um, I want to remind you too that the Lunch Bunch is meeting this week, right? I didn't have that on my notes, but just a simple reminder about Lunch Bunch. That's going to be this Wednesday at noon at Chevy's. Okay, um, and then also I want to remind you about Operation Christmas Child that I explained to you last week that we've been invited to participate with the Hearts at Home homeschool group that uses our building each week uh, to help them finish packing their boxes that they are putting together for Operation Christmas Child. And um, Karen and I have been talking about this this week, and, and we would really like to participate next year from the beginning with them. We would like to come alongside them and fully partner with them, and so be prepared for that next year. Also, did you know, Karen and I learned something that we've never known before. Maybe you all knew this, but did you know that when those kids get a shoebox, that that's the only shoebox they get in their life? 
I didn't realize that. I guess I had this image in my mind that they got one every year, or that maybe they'll get one again in a few years, but that's the only shoebox they get ever. So um, that really, you know, helps us to want to go and get things that are good, that can fit in there, that they're going to need and want, and, and no pressure. But anyways, this year we just are bringing socks. That's all we're responsible for this year. We're just helping them collect new socks. So once again, if you have any new socks that you can bring, there's a bucket out in the foyer uh, where you can place those. And also we are invited uh, to pack those boxes with them. The homeschool group will be packing those boxes on Monday, November 15th. That's here, I think, at noon. Um, but the time can be found in your bulletin and, and online. But they're going to be packing those boxes. If you want to come and help pack, you are invited. I know that's the middle of a day on a work day, so that cancels out a lot of us. But um, if you're available, then you are certainly welcome to come. Is that it? I just feel like I saw mobilizing happening, and so I don't really know what to do now. <laughs> I'm going to turn it to Adam. That's what I'm going to do now. <laughs> um, well, first of all, I know that Pastor Nicole just celebrated a birthday a couple of days ago. So happy birthday. I know we mentioned that Sunday or two. This is also Pastor Appreciation Month. Um, can you guys hear me? Um, so I think it's been about a year now since we first met you. And um, last year went slow. This year has gone pretty fast, but it's been quite a year. And I know we wanted to... Um, show our appreciation to you and to Bo um, for coming here. I know you, you met the congregation in, what was it, December, and then you came in January. Um, so it probably wouldn't have been easy to come during COVID and during winter, and you and Bo have both come, and um, we just wanted to thank you. Um, I know that there were things that Dawn told me not to say, but one of the things that I wanted to say is thank you for your hospitality. They have been doing a, a life group at their house for our group for, what, six months now? And I think maybe you canceled like twice in six months. They are always open every Wednesday night. Um, and I know that we also want to thank you for your messages, for your ministry, for your leadership here, um, for the way you've connected and shown grace to all of us and moved us forward. So on behalf of BFC and board and the BFC and church, we have some, um, yeah, and this is Bo too. So we've got, <laughs> so we've got Bo, I think you have some, uh, places to send Nicole for some gift cards and things so you can have some dinner. And so, um, I don't even know what all is in there. I saw some chocolates. Bo, those are probably for you. Um, and then I think there's a coffee mug. And I, I know that our girls even wrote something. And so on behalf of our family and on behalf of the BFC and family, we want to say thank you and thank show you. our appreciation for everything you've done the last year. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. Okay, church, we have one final gift of appreciation to the Cottons. We have this amazing cookie bar set up in the foyer, and the cookies have been baked by 24 bakers. Wow. And we have 28 varieties, including two gluten-free. So I have some instructions for you. The ushers have handed you a menu of all the cookies. Wow. In order to move this along, so we're not standing up there and perusing all the cookies <laughs> and everybody's waiting behind you, 
We want you to make your top three selections, and we would like you to only get the top three selections as you move through the line. Our servers will serve you. Please don't touch the cookies, <laughs> and don't let your children touch the cookies, okay? Uh -oh. So make your selections. If we run out of something, we will announce that, and then you're going to have to start all over. So I don't know what to tell you about that. <laughs> Um, the Cotton family will be first in line, okay. and then the line is going to stretch into the fellowship hall, so you may want to get out there and get in line. Um, we are sending the Cottons home with this giant box of cookies. So wow. they have four of each variety. That's oh. over 100 cookies. So oh. if they want to all four I'm going to need a bigger dress. Exactly. <laughs> if they want to all four eat a cookie a day for oh, about a month, I mean, I don't know if I recommend that, but you can go for it. So we just want you to know how much we Thank love you. and appreciate you, and um, you. we're just so glad you're here. So Thank you. Thank you so much. Everyone, enjoy the cookie bar. Thank you. I seriously, um, I just don't have words, so I'm not going to try to form them because it'll be messy, but thank you. I'm in awe of, we are in awe of just the love you have shown us and our family. I'm going to leave it at that, okay? So please stand, and I only have one free hand, but <laughs> brothers and sisters in Christ, thank you for your love for me and my family. I want you to know that you are absolutely loved, and I pray that you go in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, and we will see you next week. Hope you guys have a great week. You're dismissed. <laughs>